Bible Podcast. And as you should know by now, I'm your host, Johnny Joey Jones. To leave an impact, to make a difference, to build something with your hands to call a legacy, something others can enjoy. Those may be some of the most rewarding, proud American goals anyone could achieve. And today's guest has done just like just that. Tyler Merritt is the CEO and founder of Nonline Apparel, a military-inspired apparel company um, here in my home state of Georgia, actually, which I'm super proud of. He's a veteran, an entrepreneur, a philanthropist, a family man, but today he's our guest. Tyler, thanks so much for coming on, man. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's been a while. So full disclosure, you and I have worked together here, different shows at Fox. I've been a fan of your company for a while, and I've known your name for a while. But I really didn't know much about you other than you started this company. It's an amazing company. Everybody that gets to be involved with it enjoys it. Um, and I thought, you know what? What more proud American than an, than an Army veteran who started a private company and has gotten people energized and, and just positive about it? And then I ran into uh, to one of your colleagues or employees the other night, and, uh, and it all kind of came together. So thanks for coming on. No, it's a, it's been an incredible journey. I'll say that for sure. And I think you're talking about Matt Leiter. You yeah. know, he's my uh, my president of business development, a good old Georgia boy as well. He uh, <laughs> he kind of came on out of nowhere, um, but you know, he I want his job. Like I think this weekend he's out hanging out with <laughs> the Undertaker, and then he'll be out hanging out with some country artists. And you know, he, he gets to go and tell people about who we are and, and what we're about. And and he's that extrovert. You know, I'm that. Uh, I'm that introvert. I like to be the guy behind the scenes and hang out pretty much between my house and the office. And uh, you know, my work is my family, and I go to work every day, and I have an incredible time with my family. So, uh, you know, I, I I can't can't say how blessed I am and how appreciative I am to be able to come on an awesome show like this. Well, we'll get to we'll get to now and on and all the great things you're doing, but let's back it up. Tell me a little bit about yourself. I think you grew up in Connecticut and then went to West Point. Just tell me kind of how all that came to be. Yeah, no, uh, born and raised in Connecticut, uh, moved to Florida. I uh, got in trouble a little bit in uh, in high school, and um, my parents came to the mutual decision of sending me to a military in in uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, so I went to Valley Forge Military Academy uh, for my last two years of school, private. The best thing that ever happened because I went from a 1.6 GPA punk kid who, you know, loved nothing but fighting, getting in trouble, skipping school, hanging out with girls, which I still do enjoy that. But you know, just <laughs> a very distracted kid. And, uh, you know, I went to military school, got into wrestling, got into, uh, you know, actually applying myself. And uh, you know, I remember talking to a recruiter, wanting to go to, West Point, and it was um, right around 9-11, right? So the towers hit. I was coming for wrestling practice. I'd see the, you know, planes crashing in, and it was not even a decision at the point. I'm, I'm going to go serve. My brother, you know, was enlisted inside. I'd already gone out to Germany and visited him. I actually got stabbed in the chest taking out my brother in the barracks uh, when I was 16. <laughs> it's a whole different story. I like how you just gloss over getting stabbed in the chest. We'll come back to that. <laughs> now, how he sits, uh, again, goes to the shenanigans, right? So I was young, dumb, full of fill in the blank. And, you know, that's, that's what you do. You go out, hang out with your buddies, drink and womanize. And, and uh, I had to kind of come to terms with um, applying myself. And, and the Army, 
seemed like the right thing to apply myself after watching uh, the, the, the flames run into the tower. And it still makes my arms, you know, like the hair of my arms stand up. Because uh, yeah, at that point, it was either just immediately enlist or you know, go down the path of following my, my West Point uh, aspirations. And my brother convinced me to just stick with being an officer. He was enlisted. He actually went ended up being granted gold because he didn't want to salute his little brother. Um, just to but, just to clarify, green to gold. He went from enlisted to officer. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, sorry about that. For no, uh, you're good. No, I'm military though. But um, you know, I think that 9/11 changed me. Changed the, a lot of other people uh, our age. And um, you know, I, I wanted to take the fight the enemy, just like my grandfather wanted to do so when he was 17, storming the beaches of Iwo Jima, and uh, as a proud r- marine, just Never like lie. yourself. <laughs> um, you know, but he, he got shot in the knee, shot in the helmet, never talked about it, drank himself to death. Uh, you know, in short summation, the ripe old age of 50. So, I want to kind of break those cycles, but I, I, you know, I, I want to serve. So, I did enjoy drinking. I still enjoy socially drinking, but you know, I used to be a little silly. Um, but my recruiter told me if he could get me into West Point, he could get anyone. You know, I've been arrested three times at that point <laughs> at a 1.6 freaking GPA, but I was a pretty good wrestler. And I applied myself the last couple of years and, uh, you know, I ended up getting it. And, uh, then once I was at West Point, I knew I wanted to fly. It's all I've ever wanted to do. So, uh, you know, kick butt in, uh, most everything except for I got in a lot of trouble at West Point, walked a lot of hours. Um, but, you know, ended up going to flight school. Um, at flight school, I knew I wanted to fly tanks. So I went to Apaches. Uh, I knew I wanted to go straight to the, the next thing cooking overseas. So I think I was in a hunter for about a hunter airfield in Savannah for about, uh, three weeks for shipping off to Iraq. And, uh, I think day one, mission one, you know, we're getting lit up with machine guns and all kinds of craziness. And it went on for a while and, uh, learned that, you know, I enjoy serving my country. I enjoy protecting our guys on the ground. That's the only thing that matters. Um, and I saw, the the black helicopters going in and out of the uh, buildings and doing crazy things that I thought, you know, what, I want to do that. So um, applied for one sixtieth the day I got home from uh, Iraq from that, you know, long tour and uh, said hi to my family, said goodbye to my family, <laughs> went to assess. And uh, you know, that's kind of where things picked up speed. Yeah. Went up to the one sixtieth and just stayed there. Is one sixtieth uh, a, a ranger or SF unit or? Oh, I'm sorry. So yeah, the the one sixtieth special operations aviation regiment. So it's the uh, the night stalkers. Um, okay, so I've heard it, that. Yeah, yeah. So within uh, the tier one groups, you've got you know your Team six, your Delta Force, uh, you got different tiers, and you know one sixtieth has tier one, tier two elements. But that's uh, that's kind of like the pinnacle for. Uh, Army aviation. Yeah. And, um, that, that's all I really wanted to do. So got to have, have the opportunity to serve as a 160th air mission commander for the, the majority of my career. And, uh, uh, oh, sorry. Just here you go. That the, um, the biggest, uh, accomplishment in my life, I think was in the pinnacle of my military career was, was going to 160th, get to serve with some of the most elite individuals and see how things can operate when you let, 
you know, those that want to do bad things to bad people uh, do their job. And uh, I, I enjoyed it for the time I could. I ended up getting hurt, uh, not to the extent uh, of yourself, but to the point where I couldn't fly anymore. And uh, went to West Point as a faculty member. So I started and ended my career there. Um, but at the time, you know, intermixed with this, while I was in the 160th, I decided to create a t-shirt company as a side gig. And uh, that, that obviously has evolved. So that, that generally summarizes my military career and generally leads into how I'm now manufacturing t-shirts. Well, there's a lot there. There's a lot to unpack, and we only have a short time because this is a podcast, and people's attention spans get smaller and smaller as our country <laughs> talks. But I do want to go back and talk about something because some of this stuff I can go along and find out. But when you talk about, you know, how you were kind of, and I understand this. I graduated high school as someone who was in honors classes, but had a 2.7 GPA. I had the aptitude. I didn't have the discipline or care. And it sounds like you were kind of probably. You obviously have the aptitude due to the things you've accomplished since you've become an adult. You probably were struggling on the discipline and the care part. And was there one specific moment or even a thing, like you mentioned wrestling, but you didn't go into detail, that gave you kind of that kick in the butt or motivation or like things kind of enlightened you at that early age? Yeah, I had to grow kind of quick. And uh, so when I, when I say that, you know, my father still is me, but, you know, when I was a freshman in high school, I was working my butt off so I could help um, take care of things, make ends meet. It was just me and my father living in this crappy apartment. I'd get into a lot of fights with, you know, I was somewhat of a minority in, in my uh, high school. Um, and, and I was just going down the path of least resistance at the time. Uh, I was trying to have a lot of fun in a short period of time and not really focus on the future. And then I ran into a buddy. Uh, that had left and gone to this military school. Um, he, he talked about how it kind of changed him being focused and purpose. And uh, we were both wrestlers at, at that time. And uh, he was much more fit than me at that time. So I, I just felt the need to kick my own butt and put myself, um, you know, to purpose. And, and uh, you know, that was probably that moment in my, you know, youth. Um, and then even going to Valley Forge, um, I still would go and visit my brother, like I said, in Germany, and we would still kind of do the same shenanigans. And then obviously, you know, getting into bar fights at 16 is something that has to come to an end. Uh, but I, I think I spent two months in the hospital there and lying there for a while. Um, you know, that the knife pierced my lung, hit my aorta. Um, so, you know, very near death experiences tend to change your outlook on life. And I'm sure that's something that you can attest to. No, you're absolutely right. I think for me it was because I was a little bit older and I'd been through the maturation part of bad experiences. I had a couple of things, not not quite as severe to flip the script a little bit as what you went through as far as is my awakening. But I ended up in the wrong place at the wrong time, surrounded by the wrong people, and by the grace of God, got out of it. And I went home, and the look on my dad's face—it wasn't disappointment; it was concern. It was, yeah. you know, what did I do wrong? What what should I have done? How do I help my son? And I read his face, and I was like, you know what? My dad suffers to lay brick and block every day. My mom suffers to clean other people's houses. And if I'm not going to make it out of college, if I'm if that's not going to be what it is, I've got to go do something to honor their sacrifice. And the Marine Corps ended up being it for me. But then 
kind of talk about that near that experience. It was, it was like I said, losing my legs. This isn't about me, but just to say, I think people at home can put themselves in your shoes in a lot of ways and say, you know what? Yeah, I had that moment myself. It might not have been the military, but it was something in my life that said, hey, this isn't the path, you know? And, and I think that's a very American experience, not just military thing. No, I, I 100% agree. You know, we have those life-changing moments, you know, where we decide we need to be better. Then we have those life-changing moments where we realize that there's other people who depend on us. And, yeah. and for me, being a commander, being in charge of people's lives, that has the same translation when you go to business. I'm in charge of people's livelihoods. That's, that's almost 250 people that depend on me, plus my children. You know, and that's that, that realization. You have your first child and it's yeah. no longer just about you, that you get that feeling that your parents had of, I have to do better for you. And my father is the guy who would take the you know, shirt off his back and get to homeless. He actually picks up people, you know, takes our 15 passenger van every day and picks up homeless people to come work at night. That's part of our kind of mission statements. And if you um, can kind of look back and see those times you decided to change for the better, um, you know, for me, it was having children. My daughters, I, I I need to do better for them. I want them to have a less chaotic and hectic childhood, right? I moved 26 times in my life. I, I, I don't ever want to move again. <laughs> they, yeah. Their home is Savannah, Georgia, and uh, they, they live in a make-believe world. They don't have to worry about the things I had to worry about. Um, and, and that's what we always want. want. want want a little bit better for our kids. Man, I love it. Let's uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back uh, with more about Nonline. All right, we're back here with Tyler Merritt, the founder and CEO of Nonline Apparel. So in, in my intro, I said that Nonline Apparel is a military-inspired apparel company. Did I, did I hit close to the mark there? Or, you know, tell me about it. Put it in your words and in the true words of what Nonline is. Yeah, yeah. So actually, uh, it came to fruition while I was still a, uh, an air mission commander for the, uh, the 160th uh, soar. And, and we wanted to bridge the gap between those who serve and, and those who support us, right? We, we wanted to, to cut down that civil military divide that was uh, present at that time. And, and around 2012, you know, I had um, you know, the ability to start having a voice and, and a voice that says we should support those who support us. That if, if anything, a nine line in the military, as you know, it is when someone is injured on the battlefield that they call in a night line and that's a, that's a call for help. And someone like myself would fly in and, and pull those individuals off the battlefield. And in the United States, I'd like to say that it's a, a call to action to be more patriotic, to do things that are good without ever being you know, accredited for it. You know, just, just do good for your fellow countrymen. And so far, we've been able to do those things, and we do it behind the scenes. And our our core group of followers and our employees, they know what we do. Um, we don't need to be boastful, uh, but it, it's something that, that means a lot. You know, we put a lot of time, money, and effort to supporting our uh, veteran service organizations and our law enforcement service organizations, and um, it, it means a lot to us. I can tell you that the logo really stands out. Like I see it on people's cars and I see it on the sleeve of t-shirts because you actually will manufacture and print t-shirts for other organizations, right? Yes, sir. And, um, and I'm glad you do that because I need some t-shirts for that. And I told our, <laughs> I told our mutual friend, I'm, I'm going to hit him up and uh, pull a, pull a new friend favor because everybody wants something, right? 
But yeah, um, absolutely, I kind of wanted to go into this story. We don't have a lot of time left, so definitely want to get to other things. But I, I know the guys that started. Um, well, they're involved with Black Rifle Coffee Company now, and they started their own kind of T-shirt line years ago. And there was a time five or six years ago there were kind of three t-shirt lines out there that kind of filled the same space you guys were obviously one of them and, and i'm not going to even name them because they're not on my podcast right now you guys are so that's the benefit <laughs> of coming on uh but i guess my point is from my perspective five or six years ago you guys were kind of competitors and now there's a black rifle coffee company coffee shop in your building so how did that was a bridge built or that was the perception wrong on my end like how did you end up kind of working with your competitor that way well, it's, it's kind of, um, you know, it just don't be a, a dick. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to let to say that <laughs> word. Just if, if people have issues with one another, you know, I'm a very uh, non-confrontational, confrontational individual, right? <laughs> it, it, I'm not tactful. I'm going to say exactly what I mean. Um, and so do they. And I think there are some misunderstandings in, in the beginning of our relationship. It was a little bit uh, turbulent because my brother was involved with the company. My brother said some things that were misunderstood. Um, so I was still active duty, but no one knew that I was running a company. So I, I flew out to meet all the founders of Black Rifle for the first time. Uh, and we joke about it on many different podcasts that we've got together since then. I think that's 2014. Uh, and, and at that time, you know, we saw value and we still do see value in, uh, you know, we don't need to be competitive in this space. We can be helpful for one another. You know, here's something that I do very well. Here's something that you do very well. You know, can we both work together and both make good money? And and so far, I've been able to do great partnerships with Black Rifle, uh, with Redcon One, which is a supplement brand of South Florida. I, I, I love those guys. With Bass Pro, you know, Johnny Horse is great. Um, yeah, and I I now have the luxury of being able to pick and choose my partners. Right, I, I don't have any um, outside influence. I can. <clears throat> work with whoever I want and I can stop working with whoever I want. So it's a uh, life is short. Those guys are amazing. They might have some misinterpretations, um, you know, because I'd like to say that we all want the best for our fellow veterans until they're successful for some reason. <laughs> You're um, exactly right. And, and I feel that, you know, somehow get villainized, but they, they wake up um, super early and stay awake super late and work their butts off every weekend and I'm so proud of their success. Um, and I know there's a lot of people that are upset with some things that I think were misinterpreted with their vantage points, but that that's their company. It's not mine. I just enjoy them as a partner and people um, need to learn more before they jump, jump to conclusions about a uh, company sometimes. No, I think that's a great lesson and probably a perfect lesson for this podcast. So I, the reason why I want to bring it up is I know I know those guys, I know you, I see this energy and it's cool to hear a good news story in a world where exactly what you said, like I used to call it the, based on the TV show, not being any other way here, but the real housewives of Texas nonprofits. Cause I worked at a Texas nonprofit that was for military and like there were half a dozen around me and I'd get excited. Like all oh, these are awesome. And then it'd be like, Oh wait, I can't go to your event because you don't like that person and you're at odds with that person. And this donor used to support that organization. And I just, it really blew my mind. And eventually I just had to step back away from it for a while. And thankfully things grew and got better, but it's kind of human nature, I guess, that sometimes we put our elbows up before we reach our arms out. 
No, I, I can work with just about anyone as long as you're not a, you know, D-I-C-K. And it's, <laughs> it's more about, you know, take care of your people. Uh, so if, uh, if someone is disrespectful to my people, you know, I'll let them know very candidly that, you know, their businesses or, you know, even if they're a customer, I, I would like to no longer uh, work with you because you only live once. It's not worth um going to work hating your job is it's not it's not worth the money to have a a, a a toxic relationship and i could work with just about anyone with one exception jerks well as we wrap this up we learned a lot more about you about the ethos behind your company what it does and even uh you know some of the struggles along the way um as we wrap this up this is the month of november we just celebrated veterans day you know, is there a message you have for the country or for veterans? And uh, and also, how can people get to know you more, follow you, get involved? So I'd say the biggest lesson and the best piece of advice is slow down a little bit. If you see someone that needs help, you know, you might be really busy, but just take a moment. At that moment, light action saves someone's life. You know, there's people right now who are really struggling. I got a lot of friends who are leaving military servitude after 30 plus years in special operations and going from running and gunning and managing entire, you know, areas of operation theaters, uh, to, you know, looking for something to do meaningful, you know, giving back is meaningful. Um, but really taking that second to, uh, say, Hey, how are you doing? And actually stop and listen. Um, that's the best piece of advice I, I could probably get. I love it. I love it. Every, everything you've talked about today is kind of built on that basic principle of, of human humility. And I love that. I think that's really cool. Tyler, I appreciate you joining. Thanks for coming on for a quick conversation. And um, I'm not too far away. So I hope you get down there and visit you guys sometime. No, absolutely, man. We got a big, big um, shooting event this weekend. That, uh, it's called the, uh, the Epic Shoot. So a bunch of 2A enthusiasts. I got a little bird helicopter to be shooting some uh, machine guns, uh, some Tannerite. So you're welcome to come down. It's Thursday to Saturday, and I think we might even have Herschel Walker coming by. Oh, I hope I hope that's our next senator. But to the very least, it's one of my personal football heroes. So that's really cool. Well, real, we're doing all of his apparel. So real quick, uh, let people know where to find online uh, the company, the foundation, and Tyler Merritt. Yeah, if you Google search uh, Nine Line Apparel, just spell it all out, or NineLineFoundation.org. Uh, you can learn more about uh, our different philanthropic endeavors related to uh, veteran homelessness uh, and or check out our apparel site and get some cool merch. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, man. And I look forward to seeing much more of your success. Thank you, sir. You too. To put Tyler's words more eloquently, which not that they need to be, basically be willing to work with folks and uh, give everybody a chance unless they're just straight up not willing to work with you, I guess. And uh, I don't like how he said it. It's very matter of fact, and uh, that's the kind of people we need in this country. To hear more stories like this, visit foxnewspodcast.com and be sure to check back next week for a brand new Proud American story. As always, I'm your host, Johnny Joey Jones, and thank you all for listening.